0: Notice with me 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 4. It says, Nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. I want to just give you a little background here briefly. If you read this book of 1 Timothy, the apostle Paul left Timothy in the city of Ephesus to confront certain individuals there who were spreading false doctrine. That's what he says in verse 3. So it's interesting, Paul was more concerned about wrong teaching arising within the church than persecution coming against the church because he knows that the church has never been defeated from without, but has often been weakened from within. Today, just a little side thought here, today many ministers emphasize style over substance. They're more concerned with their appearance. They're careful about their appearance, but care less about their message. But you should know that eternal truth is infinitely more important than temporal trends, right? How we dress, you know, the, uh, you know, uh, the style of music that we sing, uh, the arrangements of lights and mics and instruments. These things are, are not, these are inconsequential things. It doesn't really matter. See, faith is greater than fad's. How many of you have a photo album, and you look at some of your old pictures, and you couldn't believe that you wore that? (laughs) Big bell-bottoms, afro, I don't know, you couldn't believe that you dressed that way, praise the Lord. Now, I realize that there are some folks in the ministry at large, I mean in the body of Christ, who are maybe slightly off doctrinally, in my opinion, but they may have good intentions. A man can be right in his heart and be wrong in his head, you see. And uh, we can be kind and gracious toward others and at the same time be discerning. You know what I mean? Recognize "Mm, that's not right, you see. So we don't have to become hypercritical of everyone that we hear. Some people really are. I mean, they find fault with everybody except the person in the mirror. They find fault with everybody because they think that makes them look better. We don't have to become super critical of everyone, but at the same time, we don't have to blindly swallow everything we hear. The Bible says, prove all things, hold fast to what is good. It doesn't say swallow all things and hope it works out. When I was a boy, uh, yeah, thank you very much. When I was a boy, I, my phone just I, my watch just talked to me. I don't know why. When I was a boy, I was uh, uh, I opened a, a large bush, or shrub, searching for a, a ball like a cricket ball, and inside that bush, I saw a robin's nest, a bird's nest. And there the mother bird with worms dangling from her beak was feeding the little ones. Their eyes shut, their beaks wide open. And later on I thought to myself, isn't that a picture of the body of Christ? So many Christians are like those little birds, eyes shut, mouth wide open. Any worm can just be dropped into them. We need to be a little more discerning just because something is popular doesn't make it true. Just because it's hot and everybody's talking about it doesn't make it, make it right. What we want to do is we want to base everything on the Word of God. Notice Paul told uh, Timothy to tell these folks not to devote themselves, not to devote themselves to myths. So you need to be devoted to the right thing, and there's some things you don't need to be devoted to at all. And just because you're passionate about something, that doesn't necessarily mean you're right. I mean, there's people who are passionate, totally devoted to error. Well, that doesn't change a fact, you see. Amen. And notice he said this, uh, continuing in the same verse in the God's Word translation. He says, rather than promoting God's plan, which centers in faith. See, instead of devoting yourself to these things... Devote yourself to things that promote God's plan, which centers in faith. The easy-to-read version says this. They don't help God's work, which is done only by faith. So the work of God is accomplished, Paul said, the work of God is accomplished by faith. God's plan and purpose for our lives operates by faith. So if things are not working out for you, it could be that your faith is not working. Hmm? Amen? So faith should be central in our thinking. And it's not wrong for us to focus on faith. It's not wrong for us to teach on this subject, to, to continually uh, reaffirm this, and, and, to, and, to, and, to, and, to, and to major on the subject of faith. Notice verse 5, 1 Timothy chapter 1, next verse, verse 5, says, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So, God is looking for results from his word. Hmm? And what are the results that God is looking for in our preaching and in our teaching? First, he's looking for love, love that flows from a pure heart. That would be, number one, love for God and also love toward others. Then secondly, he said, sincere faith, sincere faith. So in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, Jesus made the statement, you will know them, you will recognize them by their fruits. And he's actually talking about false prophets. So if you could recognize someone who's false by the fruits of their ministry, you could recognize a teaching that is false by its fruit as well so if something that is taught some some uh, teaching some doctrine doesn't promote and advance love purity and sincere faith then that teaching's not from god you'll know them by their fruits right if some kind of a doctrine causes people to live a more sinful life or to be uh, uh, to turn away from a devotion to the Lord, then that couldn't be from God. See? It, it, you know, if you're listening to something, whatever it is, and you feel like it's taking faith out of you, or it's, 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 it's diminishing your faith, or it's crushing your faith, then that's not something you should be entertaining. You should be, have enough uh, intelligence to turn that off or, or, or go somewhere else. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Other translations of verse 5 say, instead of sincere faith, say unfeigned faith or true faith, real faith or genuine faith. So that's what, God's wa- that's what God wants from us. If there is a true faith, if there's a genuine faith, if there's a real faith, then there must also be bogus faith there also must be fake faith. So God wants faith from us, but not fake faith. Real faith. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you want a real change in your life, make sure the faith you have is real faith. Can I amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Now, several years ago, and I say this not to be unkind, you don't know who I'm talking about, so and don't ask me, I'm not going to tell you, But but this is just to illustrate a point. Several years ago, it was many years ago, most of you were not here. Several years ago, one of our members experienced a very tragic event in his family. I won't go into the details. And then not too long after that, when I say not too long, I don't mean the next day, but maybe within that year or so, he left the church. And not only did he leave the church, he really just backed away from the things of God altogether. And honestly, I was disappointed, especially since as he was experiencing this difficulty, we all of us at that time, we prayed so fervently for him. We we really did. And then afterward, we did all that we could to help him. And then he just kind of walked away. Later on, a close friend of his was speaking with me. And he said, This is what he told me. He said, I know this person very well. I've known him for many years. I know him very well. And I want to tell you something he never did really believe, he was just pretending. And I I was really taken aback by that. I mean, what? Uh, You know, how could you say a statement like that? He said, no, 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 I know him. I know him very well. And he just, you know, said the appropriate things to kind of, you know, get along with everybody and fit in the church, but not in his heart. Now, I'm I'm only telling you what this person told me, okay? Okay. But assuming that's true, that would indicate that the terrible calamity that this person experienced was not the reason he fell away from the things of God. That just exposed something else far deeper, a far deeper trouble in his life. It's called fake faith. So that means real faith or fake faith cannot be hidden for long. Adversity does not make us weak. Adversity exposes our weaknesses. There was a fundamental problem before that happened. You know, when somebody's going through a difficult time, a real ordeal, often Christians will say, He's just like Job. But Job never turned his back on God. Even though his wife was telling him, curse God and die. Be careful who you marry. (laughs) And in the end, God blessed Job with twice as much as he had. See, that's not the end of the story. He didn't just spend his whole life with boils and anguish. That was a brief period in his life. And in the end, God gave him double for his trouble. He had twice as much, even twice as many children. I don't know if you want that blessing or not but God can do that for you. Amen. Hallelujah. You see real faith is lasting. It's not temporary. In 1st Peter chapter 1 verse 7, you don't have to turn there, but in 1st Peter chapter 1 verse 7, he compares our faith to gold. Gold. See? Well, you know, paper gets old, moldy, moth-eaten. It can be burnt. Wood can rot. It can be eaten by termites. But gold is gold. Gold has an enduring property about it. You can hammer gold. You can throw it in the lake. You can bury it in the ground. You can burn it, and that does not change its properties. It's still gold. Gold is gold. That would tell me... This in, so that's what Peter compares true faith to. So that means real faith, its properties are not affected by circumstances by the environment. Real faith is the same in Dimapur as in Bangkok. Real faith is the same in Nagaland as it is in Delhi. Real faith doesn't change with the times. Real faith isn't, isn't affected by circumstances. It's gold. It stays the same. It may, go, it may be hammered. It may be stepped on. It may be thrown away by others. But it remains what it is. It's still gold. That's the kind of faith God's looking for, my friend. Hallelujah. Faith is more than accepting God's word is true. That's a good place to start, obviously, but faith is more than that because faith, Bible faith, involves commitment. I said faith, real faith, involves commitment. To believe in Jesus is to embrace him. To cling to him. To hold on to him. That's what the Bible means when it talks about believing in him. I I don't know if you ever thought about this, but when you, as a believer, when you believe a promise of God, you are also making a promise to God. You're telling God, I'm committing myself, I'm committing this situation to you, I'm putting you, I'm putting myself in your hands. When you believe the promise of God, you are also making a promise to God because faith involves commitment. See, some people don't really have faith because you can tell they're not really committed. They'll try it. Oh, well, let's just see what happens. That's not real faith. God is looking for sincere and genuine faith. And what some people call faith is not what God calls faith. What you call faith and what God calls faith could be two different things. Are you out there today? Now, let me tell you this. You have a right to believe anything that God has promised you or that the scriptures say Belong to you, right? You have a right. You're on solid ground here. You have a right, a Bible right, to believe anything God has promised you in His Word or that the Scriptures say He has provided for you, says it belongs to you. You do not have the right to believe anything you wish. I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. That's called fantasy. That's not Bible faith. God didn't say you can do that. I'll just jump off the roof today of the church and fly over Dimapur. That's not faith. Are you listening to me? Praise the Lord. To believe something that God has not said is presumptuous. To believe something that God has not told you in His Word or by His Spirit is presumptuous. For example, in the Old Testament, we read how the children of Israel came out of Egypt. They walked through the wilderness. They came to the edge of the promised land, and Moses sent 12 spies into Canaan's land. They all agreed, all of, this, all of the men who went in agreed that it's a good land, it's a good place, it's a prosperous, fruitful land two of the spies said let's go in let's take it god has promised it to us it's called the promised land but 10 of them said no 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 no. we can't it's not possible there's no way we can do this and then the people of israel listened to the majority you might want to be careful about listening to the majority in the bible the majority was always wrong You might want to you might be careful about who you just following the crowd. You might follow the crowd into the wilderness for the rest of your life. You better be careful about following the crowd. So the people, they believed the majority report, and, and and they and they the Bible says they wept all night long, bitterly wept. And even talked among themselves, let's go back to Egypt. Oh brother, let's go back to let's go back to the world. Let's go serve Pharaoh. Let's be slaves again after all that's happened. And so though God had repeatedly told them, I'm giving you this land, I have swore by an oath to give you this land. And though God had worked stunning and amazing miracles in their presence, the wonders in Egypt, the the parting of the Red Sea. Manna from heaven. We sang it, you know, water from the rock. All these things. They didn't read about it. They witnessed it. Yet, they did not believe. They did not believe. So, God was obviously not happy about that. <laughs> he wasn't... He he was more than a little bothered by that. He was very angry. And so he decreed, except for the two who believe me, nobody in this generation is going into the promised land. You will wander in the wilderness for 40 years until all of you are dead and your children will go in. Well, here's my point. The next morning... The people changed their mind. Isn't that just like some people we know? The next morning they woke up and said, "Hmm, I think I changed my mind." And so they told Moses, "Okay, we're, uh, we changed our mind. We've decided we're going in. We're going in. We're, we're going in. here. We go. We're going in to face the Amalekites, the Jebusites, the Hittites, and the Termites. We're going in. We're ready." But Moses said to them, it, he didn't say the exact words, but basically this is the thought. He said to them, whoa, 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 it's too late. The moment has passed. You had that opportunity and you told God no. By the way, time may mean nothing to heaven, but timing is everything. That moment has passed. Sometimes the Spirit of God will tell somebody, I want you to give this person something. I want you to go and share the gospel with this person. I want you to lay hands and pray for this person. And we talk ourselves out of it, and the next morning we change our mind, but the moment has passed. And and, and Moses reminded them, God has already decreed that you're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. You're not going in. But Numbers chapter 14, verse 44 says this, but they, the children of Israel, presumed to go up. Meaning they acted presumptuously. They presumed that they could just go in and take the land anyways. They thought, I, I, I think that they, they thought, if we go into battle against all of these enemies, we'll force God's hand. God will have to give us a victory. He'll have to defend us. He has to do it. So they acted presumptuously. They were wrong. And they were routed by their enemies. We're talking about real faith this morning. Real faith does not try to force God's hand. That's something to write down. Real faith, the kind of faith that... That, that, that is commended in the Bible doesn't try to force God's hand, you see. I have known some Christians, and I think maybe you have too, that uh, threw their medicine away, not really because they believed, but because they were thinking, this will force God to heal me. He'll have to do it now. And they were, they were, they were wrong. Some people, you hear this, and I've mentioned this all the time, but, you know, some, some Christians will say, I'm going to fast until God gives me the money. That's not a fast, that's a hunger strike. You cannot zaburzast God. That does not work. Are you listening to me? Amen. The devil, the devil in the wilderness, here's another wilderness experience, the devil urged Jesus to jump off the pinnacle of the temple, jump off the roof of the temple. And he said, this will, basically he said, now this will prove to everyone you are the son of God. And see, the thought is that if you jump because you are the son of God, God the father will have to rescue you. He'll have to do it. He will have no choice. You'll force his hand. But Jesus knew better than that. He said in Matthew 4, 7, it's written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Faith does not test God. Faith does not try to force God's hand. That's not faith. That's carnality. That's human reasoning. That may be your own human anger. Don't try to do something foolishly thinking that'll prove something. That's not the right attitude. Genuine faith obeys the voice of God. Doing something that God did not ask you to do is disobedience. Let me say that again. Genuine faith obeys the voice of God. Doing something that God did not tell you to do is disobedience. Are you out there today? David said in Psalm 19 verse 13, all my loving friends in Nagaland, hear me. In Psalm 19 verse 13, he said, David said, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. To presume means to wrongly assume something. I have observed that many people take liberties in things they're not entitled to do. They overstep certain boundaries. See, that's being presumptuous. If I said to you, this is just a natural example. If I said to you, if you ever need a place to stay, you know, just come to my house. Don't even knock. Just come on in. My house is your house. Well, if I said that to you, then with a clear conscience, you could act on it, you see. But if I did not say that to you, and I didn't, if I did not say that to you, or I said it to someone else but not you, for you just to barge in my house and sleep in one of my rooms would be presumptuous. Don't be presumptuous. Are you out there today? Amen. Real faith responds in obedience to the word of God. What has God said? Well, He didn't say anything, but I'm just going to do it anyways. That's not faith. Are you out here today? Three of you are. Can anybody else join us this morning? Praise the Lord. Look at your neighbor and check his pulse briefly. Make sure he's still in the land of the living. Real faith from a real God produces real change. Faith is personal, faith is personal. You see, each one of us must believe the gospel in his or her heart. Each one of us must personally receive Jesus as Savior. There is no such thing as proxy salvation. Now, maybe this has happened at election time where you discover that, oh, I've already voted. I didn't know that. (laughs) But there's no proxy salvation. Let me help you. You're not going to heaven because your father was a pastor. You're not saved from sin because you live in a so-called Christian state. States don't get born again. People do. Individuals do. Are you out there today? Amen. Faith is personal. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29, it says, By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. So... When the Israelites came to the Red Sea, God instructed them, march forward, move on. And by his power, he split the sea. And by faith, faith obeys the voice of God. By faith, they marched through on dry ground. Then the Egyptians tried to do the same thing it didn't work they didn't get very far why imitation pearls are not real imitation leather is not genuine and imitation faith is fake faith are listening to me hallelujah we can be inspired by the faith of others. And that's a good thing. And there are many lessons we can learn from the testimonies, the experiences of other men and women of God. And that's great. But you cannot, listen carefully, you cannot blindly copy someone else's faith. Sometimes we have read a thrilling testimony of healing or deliverance or provision. And so we tried to photocopy their experience. We tried to Xerox copy their experience. So we said what they said. We did what they did. But there's a problem. We didn't have in our hearts what they had in their hearts. See, many people today have Egyptian faith. And that doesn't work. If you have Egyptian faith, you're going to drown. Kenneth Copeland, wonderful Bible teacher, came to a rhema years ago. And he shared that for in times past, uh, he had an old uh, vehicle. It was broken rust bucket car. And he said that the Spirit of God led him to give his old car away as a, you know, as a gift to someone. And God blessed him with a new car. So the Ramah students were thrilled. And many of them gave away their cars. And God changed their status in society to pedestrian. (laughs) They spent the rest of the year walking. It didn't work. See, they forgot that he said... The Spirit of God led me to do that. He did it for the right reason. They did it like the Egyptians, and it didn't work. Are you out there today? Hallelujah. In Romans chapter 10, verse 10, the Bible says, For with the heart one believes. Real faith flows from the heart. What is your heart? It's your inward man. It's your spirit. Your inward man where the Holy Spirit dwells, the part of you that receives eternal life. Faith is not the product of the intellect. That's why there are some people who are not highly educated and are strong in faith. And there are some people who, who, who are extremely intellectual and have mumfully faith peanut faith. They don't have any faith because it's not a part of your brain. It flows from your heart. John Wesley is the founder, of course, of the Methodist church. John Wesley said this, the devil has given to the church a substitute for faith. That's interesting that he, he said this like, you know, 200 years ago. The devil, and it's true today too, isn't it? The devil has given to the church a substitute for faith, which looks and sounds so much like faith, some people can't tell the difference. Duplicate faith, fake faith, right? You went to the town and you thought you bought a Rolex, but you bought a Molex, you thought you bought a Sony, but you bought a bony. <laughs> it's duplicate. It's not real. Amen. Make sure that you have the real thing, huh? not a knockoff. And John Wesley called this substitute for faith mental assent. See, many people simply agree in their minds that the Bible is God's word. And while that's nice, that's not enough. I said, many people just mentally agree. But real faith is trusting in God's word from your heart, deep inside you. Hallelujah. Admiring the teachings of Christ, having reverence for the scriptures is not enough. Now, when I was a student in college... I attended a small home Bible study for for several years. And one week we had a visitor in our little home meeting who was from the country of Belgium, you know, in Europe. And she was from a Catholic, Roman Catholic background. And so in our in our gathering, one brother wanted to witness to her or share with her. And he said to her, I believe the Bible. And she nodded in approval. Yes, yes, of course, of course, of course, of course, yes, of course. Then he said, no, 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 you don't understand. I really believe the Bible. And she said, yes, 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 yes. Fine, fine, fine. We all do. Then he said, no, you don't understand. I take the Bible literally. And she said, literally, no, 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 no. no." See, a lot of people have fake faith. They claim to believe, but in their mind, the Bible is just the good book with some interesting stories, poetry, huh, and parables, but no real relevance to our life. But when you realize that the Bible is God speaking to you, See, his word is eternal. His truth endures to all generations. He watches over his word to perform it. And when you take that to heart, then grace is released. Then the hand of God moves. Are you out there today? Hallelujah. So head faith is dead faith. Real faith is of the heart. What's the difference between head faith and heart faith? Well, one obvious difference is head faith doesn't work. I said it doesn't work. Most, or maybe I should say many, of the Bible colleges in the world, many of the theological seminaries in the world, only give to their students head faith. So they graduate knowing Hebrew stems and Greek conjugations, but not knowing God. Are you listening to me? Paul said in Second Timothy chapter one, verse 12, "For I know whom I have believed." See, most people know what they believe. Paul said, "I know whom I believe." My faith is not in a doctrine. My faith is not in a theology. My faith is not in a philosophy. My faith is in a person, the living God. I believe in the word of God because I believe in the God of the word. This is his word. He said this. Amen. Hallelujah. Wesley went on to say this. I think it's very interesting. He said, when you really believe, and he means believe God's word, when you really believe in your heart, it changes you. The entrance of his words gives light. When that light strikes your inward man, you know it. You know it. When you really believe God's word in your heart, it changes you. You see, before God changes your situation, he must change you. So you're praying, God, kill my mother-in-law. You're praying, God, remove my neighbors to the North Pole. You're, you're praying, you know, all these things. God, send my boss to Africa. You're, you're praying all of these things. Strike them all with lightning, God. Of course, he's not going to answer that kind of prayer anyways. But you want, you, you're saying God changed the world. And God says, all right, let's start with you. And you're going, me? <laughs> what was it, Joyce Meyer? You know... She hadn't been married too long, and she was praying every day for her husband. Every day. What's her husband's name? Dave, Dave Meyer. Praying every day, praying. God, you got to change Dave. you got to work on Dave. Come on, Dave, you got to do something. And she said one day the Holy Spirit said to her, Joyce, Dave is not the problem. And she said, well, who is it, Lord? There's only two of us. when you really believe God's word in your heart It has an effect on the inside of you. It changes. There's peace that comes inside of you. There's strength that comes in your spirit. There's joy that bubbles up inside of you. God works from the inside out. You want God to change your circumstances. You want God to work from the outside in. That's the opposite. The Word of God is like a seed. It's small. You plant it in the soil. It takes root. It germinates. It sprouts. And it produces a large tree. God starts with something small. Just one word from his scripture planted in your spirit and it takes root. We don't immediately see the change. We don't immediately see a difference, but it's, it's working. It's working. And it begins to sprout and bud and produce until it becomes so large. Even the birds of the air nest in its branches. Hallelujah. So you can't tell what God is doing just by your immediate situation. We can't always tell what God is doing in a person's life just by how loudly they say amen. Sometimes the guy that's having the most transformation isn't saying a whole lot because there's some stuff going on inside of him. He's like, whoa. (laughs) That's, That's what we want. Hallelujah. Real faith produces real change. Real faith is of the heart. The kind of faith that advances the work of God, the kind of faith that promotes the plan of God, is real faith. It's sincere. Insincerity is a killer. Be sincere. What does that mean? Be honest. Number one, you have to be honest with God. You might as well. He sees through you like a plate of glass, He knows what you're thinking. So no sense trying to con God. You might try to fool all of us, but you're never going to fool God. You might as well be honest with God. You know, if you're angry, maybe you need to say to God, God, I'm angry. Well, he knows that. (laughs) At least now you admit it. God, I've sinned. All right, he, he knows that. All right, now you're being honest. Amen? Be honest with yourself. Just be honest with yourself and be honest with others. I'm not telling you to air all the dirty laundry and the dirty linen for the whole world to see, but be honest. I don't like fake things. I'd rather have a real Timex. I'd rather have a real Timex than a fake Rolex. You know? Fake faith produces fake Christians and fake churches. The world doesn't need another fake church. The world doesn't need another fake Christian, fake pastors. We need real, real things. A a young generation is not interested in artificial Christianity. They they need to see the real thing. That doesn't mean that we're perfect. See, um, before I got married uh, in America... I don't know how it is for you, but, you know, I wanted to give my wife an a na- engagement ring. I don't, She's still wearing it, or I can't tell. Yeah, is it there? Not today? Huh. Bad timing. I gave her an engagement ring, you know, that that uh, you know, had a little diamond on it. I couldn't afford much, you know, pfft, a little diamond ring. So I had to go to the jeweler. I don't know anything about diamonds. Girls know all about diamonds. It's a girl's best friend. But I didn't know anything about diamonds. I was there. Okay. And, um, you know, so... Uh, this guy, this jeweler's is explaining diamonds to me, that they're different colors and different cuts, and I'm like, oh, well, okay, you know. And then he said this to me, every diamond has a flaw. Every diamond has a flaw. If you look, you know, through the lens, you'll see like some defect. There's a little speck of carbon inside, or there's a, there's, somehow it's not perfect. Every diamond has a flaw, except zirconium which is a man-made substance which is not really a diamond so I want to say to you and you can say to me as well I have some flaws but at least I'm not a fake I said I have some flaws if you put the lens on me you'll see them if you can't my wife will help you see them they're there (laughs) Here I am lonely by myself. Anybody want to come up here and join me right now? I may have some defects, but at least I'm not a fake. God wants real believers who have real faith, who offer him real worship, real service, real devotion. If you only worship God while others are looking, your worship is fake. amen, hallelujah, so that we can make a real change in this world, hallelujah, would you stand with me to your feet, praise the Lord.